Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Will Walders, CIO and SVP of Operations Support at Health First. In part one, we talk about his team's ability to wax and wane staff and resources to provide the right amount of support during COVID surges, the blind spots they've identified, and how they're using automation to help correct them, how he's using incentives to empower the team to find opportunities, and what healthcare can learn from the Domino's Pizza Tracker. We'll get to our interview in a moment, but first, a brief word from our sponsor. At CrowdStrike, we stop breaches, and it all starts with a tiny endpoint software sensor that works with Windows, Linux, Mac, and mobile, deploying fast with no reboots and no blue screens. We protect nearly 200 healthcare organizations with more joining us every day. Find out more about the power of the crowd at crowdstrike.com healthcare. Where you are right now, how is it in terms of like the, the variants and COVID? Are you kind of back to a manageable levels or what, what's kind of the status? Yeah, we are. Uh, and I'll knock on wood for that. We kind of passed our Delta spike just before Thanksgiving, starting on this downward slope of, you know, what during the pandemic would have been considered high, but we're now so desensitized to it and so good at, at managing COVID itself is, uh, you know, we're at early pandemic levels when it comes to admissions into the, um, the hospital as well as positivity, et cetera. So fingers are crossed that um, this next variant is all bark and no bite, but we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. And when you guys were dealing with Delta back in the summer and fall, did you find that you were able to really apply some of the, the lessons learned during the first go around? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we all were kind of, uh, you know, making light of it as, we didn't stand up a full-time command center like we had. We had a, a virtual one and you know, emergency management, a couple of folks always at the ready. And uh, you know, our numbers were triple what they were the initial spike, uh, the first oh, wow. go around. And we were just looking at each other amazed and just how well the team responded, how we were able to wax and wane staff and resources in order to support wherever the need was the most. And it was just ridiculous how well the teams performed you know, we know that comes at sacrifice of work-life balance and other things and did a good job of managing that, but um, it was a struggle, I'll tell you. But it yeah. took it in stride and the, and the team's been very resilient. And it's good to see, uh, I've walked through some of our halls, virtual and physical, and seeing a lot of people finally taking five days off in a row as opposed to being tapped on the shoulder and told to go home. Uh, so it's good to yeah. see folks have an opportunity to to get some much deserved rest after all of this. And let's hope and pray that we don't have to deal yeah. with that again ever, uh, much less other variants, but wow. Certainly a different time in healthcare when it comes to talent management, when it comes to work-life balance and uh, really shows a couple things. One, how resilient the team is and how quickly they can respond. But moreover, kind of let us in on some blind spots of where we were under leveraging technology to be selfish in the IT world. We we're able to quickly implement some ways to save people time and, and staff and then um, showed us where we really need to focus on covering some gaps to prevent something like this in the future in particular in the perioperative world and the, in the nursing world at large. Crazy. Yeah I wanted to, to get into some of that too especially when you're talking about the fluctuations with elective surgeries and things like that and, and how you guys were able to, uh, to deal with that because I can imagine that was a big challenge. Yeah, we had to be creative. And, and honestly, I, I wouldn't call this a success story for us, right? You know, 60% of our revenue comes from surgical services, right? And when you're 
on the hospital division side. As an IDM, we've got our bases covered in other areas, but for most hospital systems, who are truly hospital systems, and it's a large portion of our revenue at large, if it's 60% of our hospital division, naively, it's 25% of our total revenue for the IDN, um, assuming things are equally weighted. But And we missed. And I think we missed some opportunities there. It's just, you know, prioritizing. You know, like others, we were canceling elective surgeries, um, putting emergency surgeries in the forefront. We were doing that for a lot of reasons, the same reasons others were to gain headcount back. Uh, but then, you know, we started getting smart about it, leveraging some of our uh, ambulatory surgery centers, starting to look at technology. Um, I've seen some other systems do this better. As I just saw a webinar two weeks ago on a system in North Carolina who was able to leverage some technology in the perioperative space to do some better scheduling, better automation and care coordination, something we're looking into. And we really see this as the sweet spot, this being automation and not only perioperative space, but all things clinical to capture some of this headcount that we're seeing with staffing shortages. We are, I think, 76% is the last statistics I saw around uh, occupancy rate for our nursing discipline. So almost 3,000 nurses um, total in our IDN and 75% of those spots are filled, meaning 24% are not, right? So we're, we've yeah. taken a, uh, a focused look and a, really a SWAT team approach to where we can capture some of that vacancy rate back with, with using solutions that either in care coordination and virtual, you name it. So the Peridoffer space in particular, we've started a uh, consumer-centric committee around ensuring that our surgery um, product line takes a relentlessly consumer-centric approach. How do we engage with you? How do we Make sure you're ready. How do we understand the scheduling is in a manner in which we're all used to dealing with scheduling anything else in our day to day lives. Um, you know, Domino's can tell me exactly when my pizza is going to be to my house, who's going to deliver it, when it was in the oven. Right. When their trucks drive by, I love this. You see uh, the pizza tracker. I, I love monitoring it as such a, something <laughs> I've taken to IT as I want to build a pizza tracker for health IT. But even the side of the truck shows this pizza tracker that says, your yeah. pizza is in delivery mode, right, as it's in the truck. I mean, think about the, the level of transparency and visibility that we get in our everyday lives, but yet it's still a, such a mystery when it comes to healthcare, and in particular the OR, right? It's, you know, you, you get referred to your doctor, from your doctor to the OR, you get some pre-surgery communications either with your doctor or with mm -hmm. the care they call, maybe a few days before reminding you of your surgery, where to be, where to park some pre-care instructions, but gosh, there's a lot more efficiency that could be made there and, and ways to deal with that whole experience in a much more consumer-centric way. So those are some of our priorities yeah. in the post-COVID that we saw some blind spots too. And then that's the patient-facing side. Similarly with the care team, you've got, I counted nine unique personas on of people who are interacting directly hands-on with the patient in the OR, much less the support services like environmental services who turn the bed over and clean the room and supply chain and puts the trays with all the surgical gear in place. But, you know, and these are anesthesiologists and perfusionists and surgeons and surge techs and nurses who may or may not work for the health system, who mm. often don't and are third-party contractors or providers who all have to coordinate and communicate in a critical way that uh, not a lot of people do well with, you know, move ad changes of surgeries and others. So, 
that's an area we're focusing on, the scheduling of the patient and the scheduling of the care team. Uh, I think a lot of folks have this blind spot. Somehow we've been doing surgery for the better part of, of centuries <laughs> and in modern medicine, probably a century, and we still can't get the anesthesiologist to the room on time and the, everybody to the right room when one changes due to, due to either not being turned over or case running long. But anyway, lots of opportunity there we're yeah. looking at. Yeah, it definitely seems like there are in, in a lot of different areas. And for your title, supply chain management, so that comes under you also. Yeah, as of okay. about so a year. A whole other, and that's a whole other area where uh, I can imagine it's been a rough ride. It has, yeah. We've, we've been resilient. We have some great supply chain leadership, some great foresight around having supplies in place. And, you know, as an IDN, we, we also have some ways to creatively harvest supplies from each element. So, but let me, I want to be very clear. It has not been easy. Like many, mm-hmm. you know, PPE, gloves, gowns, masks have been a struggle. But again, a ridiculous opportunity. This this shone the light on inefficiencies in supply chain, lack of customer mm-hmm. service. At Health First, we are, again, pursuing the, the relentless pursuit of customer centricity, right, in every aspect of what we do. And, and so this was pandemic and me having taken over supply chain the past 12 months, shone the light on some opportunities where we could do this better. So we are overhauling the supply chain system at large. Um, folks who follow me on LinkedIn, and I know you do, Kate, and maybe many of your folks who are listening or reading this interview, you know, I'm hiring a, a senior vice president of supply chain. It's the senior most supply chain position at Health First. Who's, we really want to take a consumer-centric look at this and how we provide a frictionless experience for those we serve. That again, could be the physician in the OR, could be the staff at the bedside or across the IDN. Uh, as well as our patients and how we, you know, sell them things like durable medical equipment and, and retail pharmacy and other things. But really a, a reckoning as we take this consumer-centric approach to all things wellness at Health First, I'm taking supply chain to that same level and holding them to the same standard that uh, we all expect our IT systems to be, our clinical systems and personnel. And here's the best part. And I, did, I did this in IT when I got here, you know, cut $16 million out of uh, of waste out of our budget per se, but then reinvested that in new solutions. I've got a $22 million target this fiscal year of opportunity. Um, and we're finding it just better efficiency, better coordination, uh, actually paying the same price for an IV set is my, my favorite use case here. Due to bad administration or discomplacency on either our part or our partners, you know, we pay 3X for the same IV set for at the outpatient setting than we do in the inpatient setting, which is backwards. Oh, wow. Set. So, Again, as we finally take the opportunity to understand the systems, to rationalize our contracts and do some great work around there, a similar vein. We're, I've got a $12 million target, but I know we're going to exceed that for this um, for 2022. And we're going to take those resources and reinvest them in all things wellness, creating a frictionless experience for our patients, our customers, and our consumers. So. Yeah, and you mentioned things like going through those contracts. And that sounds like that could be a pretty laborious process. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's savings in there, but you have to, to go through all that. Yeah, it's, it's no different for my IT peers and your IT readers. You know, it's the same as application rationalization, right? If you could only cut yeah. some, you know, the legacy applications out of there. And you know, we had 1,200 applications when I got here, 1,283 to be specific. We're now down to right at 400. And that's where that 16 million in IT savings came from. So similarly for contracts, I mean, you'd be surprised when you open the file cabinets double click those contract management systems and see what you're just automatically paying for. And, and we've taken this approach 
I loved in government, there's, and I always butcher the pronunciation of this Latin expression called qua tam, but it means in Latin, in essence, for you. And that's where if you find ways, if you find opportunity in government, you know, you get a percentage of the savings. Um, and that's a mindset I've been trying to bring here. And while I'd love to give big golf tournament size checks like I used to in government, but it's an opportunity for, you know, driving legacy issues out of your systems. And I say systems generically as a CIO, but it could be anything to then gain innovation, right? And so we've empowered the staff to the ability to hunt these things, get credit for it. And then in a sense, get credited back to their cost centers and PL statements around where that savings come from. So I'll give you an example, you know, we've been automatically paying for a bunch of licenses for something and somebody picked their head up and said, you know, we don't use this anymore as much and certainly not to the scale of having 10,000 licenses, maybe we only need 200 and voila, half a million dollar cost savings, right? It was really easy to wow. think, oh yeah, we, we still use that. Of course, just renew it. No one ever thought, you know, we don't need 10,000 license anymore, we need 200. And, and that story repeats itself when it comes to instrument sets and in procedural areas with scopes for endoscopy and colonoscopy and all the scopes, right? And so empowering, using that same IT mindset in the operations and empowering the staff to, on the supply chain side and the process improvement and PMO side and other areas of my purview to go hunt those opportunities, understanding they'll be reinvested, not just saved for our, our growth margin as a non-for-profit health system, but really opportunities to reinvest in, in the solutions and people and other resources they've been wanting. So really, and I kind of feed the flywheel to state that overused analogy, of gaining those efficiencies, putting them, reinvesting them back in the flywheel to make it more efficient. Yeah, that's a great approach. It really lends to engagement too, you know, really making people feel like they're, they're part of this and, you know, that they can see the benefits. Yeah, exactly. And we're doing this with partnerships as well as part of our supply chain rationalization. You know, we're looking at why it costs so much for total joints and spine and cardiac rhythm management and, and really partnering with our provider partners, right? These are not employed physicians. These are partnered and credentialed physicians to give them an opportunity at what these cost savings mean. And so got a real world example where we're saving a significant amount of money on orthopedic surgery and cardiology surgery and spine and we're reinvesting that back in OR modernization we're buying a, a robot for the surgeon so they can you know be more efficient in the procedures buying a laser for one of our hospitals where the physicians could you know leverage those new technologies so what's in it for them aspect of it is ridiculously important not only with your internal team but your, your partners as well yeah so when you're looking at 2022 obviously you have a lot of goals in terms of savings but yeah. so a lot of emphasis on, on automation too and just Leveraging that wherever possible. Yeah, I hate this expression, but it really is powerful. We're trying to capture low value work and have people operate at the top of their discipline, right? It's something yeah. you hear in, in medicine a lot, operate at the top of your license. You don't want yeah. an anesthesiologist pumping the ventilator, right? Right. <laughs> you know, it's probably the worst to know. But, you know, you don't want a highly credentialed nurse going and filling water pitchers with the bulk of his time, his or her time. You know, so have them operate at the top of the license, reducing the amount of low value work. And we've done a good job of that in IT, in particular as a health plan. We've learned the power of automation with claims processing. God forbid the old days, we had teams of people you know, processing claims. Robots do that now. And it was kind of our first entry of toes in the water of what automation looks like. Similarly, we're outlifting all the places many are and RevCycle registration. But now we're looking into the clinical areas. You know, how do we capture hours back that are crucial hours of our nursing staff. And we're looking at things like telesitting, 
virtual nursing where it's appropriate for a lot of administrative areas. You know, we've got EVP level staff, our hospital division CEO, our health plan CEO, medical group CEO, our chief administration officer, all speaking the language of automation um, and yeah. where we can go target these opportunities to capture back this low value work. So we've spun off a product team for this. We've got a multidisciplinary uh, approach to how we're, we're finding these. And, and again, it's you know, what's in it for me. We're, we're celebrating these wins in very public ways as people identify opportunities to do automate. And I think there's yeah. great ones again around the, the perioperative space. You know, how do you automate the scheduling, the care coordination, coordination, collaboration of that care team? And something we're targeting early 22 is to do that around scheduling, bringing those disparate resources together uh, around the OR. Again, on the hospital version side, our number one revenue generating business line. So that's what we're targeting first, specifically in finding some successes there, at least on paper that we're going to start to implement with the, the actual teams themselves in the new year.